3: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Welcome in. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. This show, as always, brought to you by Car. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average Save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. I certainly did. Uh, good weekend all around. Lots of different topics to dive into as we always have on Monday. This one may be the most interesting to me. Uh, look, there's lots of events going on out there. We could talk about Draymond Green complaining about the uh, the the sound. Uh, system at the Madison Square Garden as the Warriors got the win over the Knicks. We could talk about the Combine and how incredible Miles Garrett was. We can talk about Arian Foster believing that he can fight a wolf. Uh, There are lots of conference title games that have started. We can dive into an interesting question that I've always had as it comes into March. Why in the world do we play the entire full length of a college basketball season and then reward a team that happens to get hot and win three or four games over a team that was the best over the course of the entire conference. We can talk about ESPN cutting $100 million of on-air talent and what that's going to mean for the larger sports bubble that I have been talking about for a long time. And all of those things I am sure we will dive into at some point in today's show. So go ahead and get your popcorn. We got a lot to discuss. But here is something that I find to be the most intriguing. There is a new policy out for the U.S. men's and women's soccer team that says all persons representing a federation national team shall stand respectfully during the playing of national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. That was passed by the board of directors on February 9th, 2017. It was first reported by Fox soccer analyst slash host Stuart Holden. And there's been a lot of discussion about Colin Kaepernick. You guys know my position on Colin Kaepernick's protest of the national anthem. But I do think that this is an intriguing move by the U.S. Soccer Federation. Because to me, it raises a really difficult question that I don't believe has an easy answer. And I'm curious what you guys think about it. And we're going to go around the horn here and we'll talk to everybody about it um, who's on this show. But to me, I don't agree with this policy. Now, let me tell you why. First of all, the Colin Kaepernick story has a chance to emerge because of a strange situation that I think exists in American sports. And in particular, I I think it exists because we have melded our martial supremacy, our connection to patriotism, to sports in a way that is strange. And let me give you an example. If you or I this weekend had gone to a movie theater and sat down in our seats to watch a movie and they had played the national anthem and we were all forced to stand and remove our hats and put our hands over our hearts, you would all think that was a little bit strange, right? Now, interestingly, there's probably people listening to me right now who are in the military because every time I've talked about this or written about this, people in the military have said, you know what, they do that on a military basis. And okay, that makes a little bit more sense. You're in the military. But most of you out there would find it a little bit strange if you sat down to watch, I don't know, what was a big movie this weekend? Uh, what big movie just came out? I don't know. The, Logan. I don't even know what Logan is, but Lego Batman. I went, the last movie I went to go see was Lego Batman, Okay. I sat down with my kids to watch Lego Batman. If right before the start of Lego Batman, if the national anthem had come on and you would stand, you stood up to put your hand over your heart, you would think that was strange. If right before Fifty Shades Darker, you're there with your girlfriend or your wife thinking, oh boy, we're definitely going to have some freaky sex after this movie. She's going to be excited after this. And right before they went into the Fifty Shades of Grey or Fifty Shades Darker movie, you had to stand up and put your hand over your heart, it would be a little bit strange. Okay, take it outside of the movie theaters. If you were going to a concert, and right before Snoop Dogg came out to perform, they had somebody come out to sing the national anthem, and everybody stood up and put their hands over their hearts, you would think it was strange. Taylor Swift, uh, U2, it doesn't matter who the concert is. If you were in America and you sat down for a concert, and they played the national anthem. Or if you were in Canada, and let's say you're in Montreal and you're Vancouver and you're about to watch a really big concert. Let's say that uh, let's say that Rolling Stones is out. And before Rolling Stones performed, not only did they play the national anthem in Canada, but they also played the national anthem in uh, of of Britain. You'd be like, okay, this is a little bit weird, right? In the same way they do for U.S. hockey matches when you have multiple nationalities represented in pro sports. The reason why I bring all that up is. Ultimately, pro sports is entertainment. Whether you think it's a big deal or not, who wins the NFL, who wins the NBA, who wins Major League Baseball, who wins the NHL, is just a big entertainment question. Those are private businesses that are designed to make as much money as they possibly can. The reason why they are embracing the national anthem is because it's good for their business, they think. Not necessarily because there's any martial connection, because there's any patriotic connection to the overall brands associated there. So I ask a question, and I, I think it's really kind of fascinating. And, and the challenging part here for the U.S. Soccer Federation is it's a little bit more like the Olympics. I, obviously, I don't have a problem with playing the Olympics when somebody wins uh, a, a medal for, this, for the country. I think that makes total sense and uh, the medal stand and everything else that is a representative of you and your country i think the us soccer team is a representative of the country i think arguably that college basketball and college football and any other college sport is at least closer to a representation of the of the country at large because you represent a state let's say you're you're at the university of alabama or the university of michigan or the university of california All three of those schools, obviously, as state institutions, represent a larger entity, which is the state and then also the government. So I don't necessarily have a problem with the national anthem playing before those. But I do want to ask people there. I'm going to get on and ask the poll question. It's not an easy answer. And I'm not saying that you're wrong if you disagree with me in any respect. But I have always found it strange that before pro-sporting events, we play the national anthem, which is what honestly creates the opportunity for a controversy like the Colin Kaepernick situation to arise. Now, some places do interesting decisions, right? That They play the national anthem before the guys even get on the field. For instance, I know they do that in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, SEC, 11 states, really a patriotic region of the country, they don't play the national anthem with the players actually on the field. They play the national anthem at before the players even get on the field, so there's no controversy that could be associated there. And so, in theory, that's something that everybody could do, right? If you really want to play the national anthem at a sporting event, you could play it in the 10 minutes before the team actually runs out onto the field, in the five minutes before, whatever that situation would be. But I have a problem with the U.S. national team in soccer now mandating that everybody stand, and here's the, here's the phrase again, all persons representing a federation national team shall stand respectfully during the playing of a national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. Again, it is a, a shot at Megan Rapino who decided to take a knee, and I don't agree with her decision. But I've told this story before. When I played high school soccer, when I played high school soccer, I went to a school called uh, Martin Luther King. And we had a large uh, population of kids who were first-generation immigrants from all over the world. And one of the kids on my team, soccer goalie, was from Iraq. He was actually Kurdish. And I was, uh, I, I'm was i 37, so this would have been, I don't know, 1995, something along those lines. And they would play the national anthem. I don't know if they played the national anthem before every game we played in or just division soccer. I don't remember exactly when, when or how or why. They played the national anthem, but I know they, they typically did a decent amount. Everybody would stand up. And this goalie made the decision, and it wasn't a big story because it wasn't like our team was that good. I mean, we were an average team in an average city in America, so it's nobody else even paid attention to it. The goalie on our team made the decision to sit and turn his back while they played the national anthem. And when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, that strikes you as a pretty noticeable thing. But So I went up to him, and I asked him a question. I said why did you decide when they were playing the national anthem to sit down and turn your, turn your back to it? And he said, because my uh, people, the Kurdish people, after the Gulf War made the attempt to rise up and overthrow Saddam Hussein's government after we went to the Gulf War. And the United States government did not protect that attempt and allowed the Iraqi government to murder thousands of my countrymen who had tried to get democracy in Iraq after the Iraq war. You remember, after the first Iraq war, we didn't go in and try to remake Iraq. We just uh, kicked them out of Kuwait, and then Saddam Hussein remained in power. And so as part of that situation, the Kurdish people tried to rise up and create independence in that country when they did not have success. We did not support them. We did not protect them. And thousands, tens of thousands of Kurdish people died in that uprising. And so I went and researched it. I didn't know. Most of you probably didn't know either. And I was like, you know what? He has, a, he has a, a legitimate grievance here because the United States government, which is represented by that flag, turned its back on his people. And that's something that otherwise I wouldn't have known about, and I thought that he had a legitimate grievance to protest it. Now, I didn't get any attention. Nobody on the team really cared. Your high school, college, you know, high school age kids. But that's a direct example of disagreeing with what your federal government does or did, which is the exact opposite of Colin Kaepernick, who was protesting something that was already taking place. Colin Kaepernick was protesting the, uh, the, the, the killing of innocent people by police officers and demanding that the federal government investigate and do something about it, which is what Barack Obama and Loretta Lynch, the president and the attorney general, were already doing. He was protesting something that the government was already doing, which, as I said before, is the equivalent of going into McDonald's, taking a knee at 11 o'clock and saying you're taking a knee because McDonald's doesn't offer breakfast once it turns to 11 o'clock. And then the manager, McDonald's, walks out and he's like, actually, we have we have breakfast all day here now, man. You can get up off your knee. And so Colin Kaepernick looked like an idiot because he didn't understand what he was protesting was already being represented by the country. And... Also, Colin Kaepernick now looks like an idiot because, obviously, he's stopping his protest at a time, arguably, when things are less representative. You know, we've elected Donald Trump since he started his protest. So now he's in a situation where people are actually less likely to be supporting, as the federal government, what he's trying to protest. So he protested when the federal government was doing exactly what he wanted, and now that the federal government has stopped doing exactly what he wanted, he's now stopped his protest. So he's an idiot. And Colin Kaepernick is not a very intelligent person, and he never had very much rational basis for his protest. But I am troubled by this. Does it make sense? Does it make sense to mandate this? I think it creates a larger issue to require somebody to stand for the national anthem than it does to assume that everybody is going to be standing for the national anthem and basically just not pay attention if they don't. Because a person like Megan Rapino, I don't think the vast majority of you even know who she is. I think the vast majority of you would have had no idea who she was if she had not decided to take a knee. Again, Megan Rapinoe, also an idiot because she's protesting something that the federal government is already doing and because most people just don't care about women's soccer at all other than when they're trying to win the World Cup. I want your calls. Is this something that makes sense? Or are you kind of with me that it really doesn't make sense, by and large, to connect the national anthem to sports in general? What do we gain from it? Again, I started off the show by saying, how strange would you think it was if you, this weekend, when you went to go watch a movie, if they played the national anthem before your movie? How strange would you think it was if when you sat down to watch Stranger Things or Narcos or House of Cards on Netflix, right before that show started, they played the national anthem? It would be right. It would be strange, right? Same thing if you went to a concert, and right before the premier artist came out, They made everybody stand up, and they played the national anthem. Ultimately, most sports are entertainment. Why are we playing the national anthem before sporting events, which are entertainment, when we don't do it before other entertainment events? I think it's a fascinating question. I don't think there's an easy answer. 877-996-6369. You can dive in. First segment of the show for a week that I'm sure is going to be fantastic. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what happened to Method Man? Where did he go? Like, he was as popular of a rapper as existed in the world in 2000, what? Probably like as late as 2003, three two. Where's he been for the last decade? Is he still alive? Anybody know? Am I talking? Th- th- hello, hello. Is this thing on? Danny G? Somebody he's still out alive. He's, he's still is. alive. What's he
1: doing? He's, What's he doing now? He's been acting? He's been operating a cannabis farm.
3: Is that real life? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what I mean, I he's kind of dropped out do. of the music industry, right?
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, I mean, he
1: had a pretty good acting thing going on for a little while, too. What so. was he at? Where was he acting?
0: He was doing a lot of TV stuff. He was on Oz. He was on CSI. He did. He was actually on Luke Cage on Netflix last year. It was kind of a small role, but he's just kind of beating around the bush a little bit. From I mean, what it's I kind of surprising
3: tell. that given that he was dominating the rap game, he just dropped out. I mean, I'm correct in that, right? I haven't missed any major album that he's been involved in.
0: No, he hasn't put out an album in a while. What was the last one? Somewhere. It's been a couple of years at least. I mean, he still kind of toys around with the RZA and some of the Wu-Tang stuff. And if they go do tours, he'll show up with them. Like I know he was in 2015, he did one overseas and things like that. I don't know. Maybe he just made enough money. He can just sit at home and smoke it away. And he's, he's good with that for the most part. He reminds me,
3: there. it's relatively rare that guys that are that famous just drop off the face of the universe, right? Except for Tupac, obviously, who's still alive. And Elvis, probably, who's still alive as well. But other than those two guys who are who fake their deaths and are still alive, making sure you're awake early this morning on a Monday, uh it, it, they're real like chris tucker is a guy in in movies who made rush hour and he made a hundred million dollars on rush hour two or whatever and he doesn't do much
0: well he has there aren't very many guys act. who just vanish does He he has still stand up act on netflix chris tucker There's, does yeah chris tucker and he toured last year i know he was here for the wild west comedy festival that comes here to nashville every year as well so he's kind of trying to kind of beat back onto the stand-up comedy scene, which wasn't really what he was known for, but I guess whatever will sell you tickets and make you money, you'll do. All right, so
3: I we, we came back in with Method Man. Let's say that Method Man was having a concert and that as part of a way to demonstrate how patriotic they were, the Wu-Tang Clan said, we're issuing this new rule. We're going to play the national anthem before our performances, and everybody has to stand. Or let's just say... As a part of getting the appropriate permits for every state in the union, in order to perform, you have to agree to play the national anthem before your concerts, and everybody needs to stand to show respect for the national anthem. Everybody listening out there right now would say that's strange. And I'm not just signaling out Wu-Tang if you didn't hear the opening. The same thing would be true of Kenny Chesney, and the same thing would be true of Paul McCartney. Whoever you like in music, if they were playing in the United States, we would mandate that they play the National Anthem. And you guys know, and I've talked about this before, I'm not a rule guy, okay? I am anti-rules, and unless they're really necessary. People say, well, why are you anti-rules? Why are you an anti-rule guy? It's because I think that rules are made for dumb people. By and large, most people do not need rules. They can just make smart decisions and go about their lives. And the only thing worse than a rule is a rule made for a dumb person that, that that then is being enforced by a dumb person because that's how you end up in just absurd situations. And no matter who you are, if you're listening to this show right now, you have found yourself at some point in time having a rule enforced for you that does not make sense in the larger context of that rule. And that's happened to me so many times in my life where I'm... I, I've got something that I need to do, and I'm trying to explain to somebody this is not the intent of the rule. And I'm trying to think exactly the most recent time this happened to me where you find yourself dealing with somebody, and some usually it seems to be almost always some sort of governmental bureaucracy where they create a bureaucracy, and then they create a bureaucracy to enforce a rule that never needed to exist to begin with, and then it starts being applied for you in a situation that makes no sense for your situation. I remember the last time I went off on a rule. <laughs> this is The last time I can remember going off on a rule was ridiculously, I was in a co-ed soccer game. No, not, co-ed kickball league. Co-ed kickball league and the umpire was enforcing a rule incorrectly. And the rule was when you went into extra innings, I remember this because I got so mad about it. When you go into extra innings in the co-ed kickball league, The runner who was on second, you would put an automatic, they're talking about this in baseball now. You would put a runner on second base automatically, and you would start that runner on second base, and whoever made the last out was supposed to be the runner who was on second, and the next kicker would come up. And the way the guy was implementing the rule was the person who made the last out at the end of regulation was the person who was on second base for every extra inning. And I lost my mind over that because the way that was set up was you had to, in co ed kickball, the guy and the girl go back and forth, alternating kicking, right? It's an awesome thing. There's probably a lot of you out there listening right now who have played co ed kickball at some point. If you haven't, it's really a fun thing to do. You can go out and drink, you play, you have a good time, and it's pretty exciting. And so you go guy kicker, girl kicker the whole way through the lineup. And so it was extra innings and we had a girl on second base, and the other team had a guy on second base. And being the sexist that I am, just playing around here, of course, on average, a guy is going to be faster than a girl is running from second base. Now, could we have had Florence Griffith Joyner on second base? Yes, but we didn't. Our girl was not as fast as the guy they had on second base. And when you're scoring the run, it makes a big difference. The way that the rule was supposed to be applied was, Every extra inning, whoever makes the last out goes to second base. The way he was applying it was at the end of regulation, you put the same person on second base throughout. So they had a boy on second, we had a girl on second. It made no sense. So I lost my mind trying to go after that rule. It was a rule that was being applied. It was being applied incorrectly. My concern about this rule is that it's not going to be applied correctly. That it's not going to make any sense. And that once you implement a rule for people like me, it makes me want to break the rule when I think it doesn't make sense. And if I were a soccer player, I think this rule doesn't make sense. What does it mean? Why do we need it? We've got loaded lines 877 I'm going to go to your calls here as we come up on the, uh, the, the break here. But I'm going to reread this rule, which has been implemented by the U.S. Soccer Federation. All persons representing a federation national team shall stand respectfully during the playing of national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. Well, what happens if you don't? What are the consequences? What does shall stand respectfully mean? What is a respectful stand? If you're stretching during the national anthem, is that disrespectful? If you're getting loose? It doesn't make sense to me. I think it's strange, just like it would be strange if we mandated the playing of the national anthem before movies or before concerts. Uh, We will talk about that. Let me go ahead and knock out this ad. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today i'm clay travis you're listening to outkick the coverage let's find out what's trending now we're bringing method man back from the dead welcome back to the fox sports radio studios brought to you by geico it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier also if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks you're right it will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. That's a real ad. We're getting paid for that. Bang. Don't get killed by a train. Uh, let's uh, let's go around the horn. Do you guys think it's strange? We're, we're talking about this new uh, U.S. Soccer Federation rule that requires you to stand for the national anthem and stand respectfully. And the, the, the thing that I'm kind of focused on here is one, I'm anti-rule. I'm anti-dumb rules. And two... I think it's very strange that we have allowed this precedent to be set of connecting all of our sporting events with the national anthem playing because we don't do it with movies. We don't do it with concerts. We don't do it with normal entertainment-related events. It's just sports. Jason Martin, does that seem strange to you? You go to movies all the time. You watch a ton of TV. If before Homeland last night or Billions last night, they had played the national anthem, and expected people to stand in their houses before they watch the television show, that would be a strange expectation, right? My argument is that sports as entertainment, and again, I think you can make a decent argument for U.S. Federation soccer, for Olympics, and for maybe even college sports, but for pro sports to play the national anthem, which is what created the Colin Kaepernick controversy, it seems like a strange setup. You agree with me, or you think it makes total sense?
0: On that issue, I agree with you, but this issue, I think this policy's dead right because this isn't pro sports, as you just said. This is international sports. The flag is on the crest, on the logo of the team, both past and present, the past logo and the one that they revealed last year. The point of international play is national pride. You're competing against the world. So in that respect, it shouldn't be too much for you to ask if you're going to wear the flag emblazoned on your chest – that you're willing to stand respectfully for the anthem during international play. And the reason that this comes up now is because USA plays France tomorrow in Washington at RFK as part of the She Believes Cup, and they wanted to make sure that this is taken care of. Now, if this is MLS, I 100% agree with you. I, I never really understood why the anthem is necessary in basic pro sports or basic college sports or basic high school sports. But this is international sports. So in this case, I believe the policy is dead right. Daddy G.
3: Robert, any disagreements, any strong opinions on this?
0: Well, uh,
1: my opinion on this has kind of been the same for years now. It's that kind of similar to what Jason said is unless it's an international event, I don't think you should play the national anthem before anything. I don't think before any, you know, game seven of the uh, World Series. I don't think before the AFC Championship. None of that stuff. Unless it's an international competition, Olympics, World Cup, stuff like that. I, I don't need it.
3: My bet is the vast majority of people listening to us right now never really think about it because most of the time when something is a tradition or something has been going on for a long time, most people never really take a step back and say, why do we do this? They just go ahead and accept it because they're used to it, because it's easier to accept what something already exists than to change it. Uh, I asked the question, does it make sense to play the national anthem before pro sports? Why pro sports and not movies or concerts? 63% of you say it makes sense. 37% of you say it doesn't make sense. Let's go ahead and dive into your calls. You can jump in, 877-996-6369. Trey in Chattanooga, we'll start with. Trey, what's up, man?
4: Hey, buddy. Uh, Good morning. My initial thought, and Clay, I'm a big fan. I I listen to you almost daily without kick. but um, this is one I try to get some pushback with your opinions, but I'm I'm almost right there with you because it seems a little bit – Dictatorship ish, and I don't say that. You know, as a hey, we we as Americans can do whatever we want, but that there again, it is something for the free will of Americans to choose to honor the flag their national anthem is is a part of the freedom. And I was I was just thinking as far as the the tradition of the uh, anthem before a sporting game is. Uh, when I was in eighth grade it was when nine eleven happened, and that was a huge time when you know players were coming out with the flag, and it was this. Uh, you know, patriotic time, obviously, and it, and it kind of had this re- resurgence and kind of re- reinforcement of that time. But um, it almost it almost seems like pro sports are playing to that crowd of the good old American beer-drinking, jersey-buying Americans. But um, I don't think it should be a mandated, you know, you have to stand. Like you said, are they stretching? Is that out of the line? Do they have to have their arms crossed, you know, in, in the front of their, their person to, to respect the flag? It just seems a little bit forceful.
3: Uh, Yeah, I appreciate the call. Uh, It does. It seems, it, it seems, I don't like mandates. I don't like rules. And people say, well, you had an issue with Colin Kaepernick's protest. I had an issue with his protest. That's different with an issue with him not standing for the national anthem. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. I think that Colin Kaepernick was well within his rights to take a knee and not stand for the national anthem. I just think the guy was an idiot because what he was protesting was already being done by his federal government. And the example I always use with Colin Kaepernick is he plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody on the left wing comes out and says, oh, bravo, so great for Colin Kaepernick to stand up against police brutality. Would those same people have come out and said, oh, bravo, so great for Colin Kaepernick to stand up for his First Amendment rights by taking a knee during the national anthem for not believing that gay marriage should be legal? Think about that. I always like to use that example. Most people in this country do not support the First Amendment. They support the First Amendment when the people who are supporting the First Amendment are agreeing with something they agree with. Because the same left-wingers who were all over themselves, agog over what a brave person Colin Kaepernick was for taking his protest, taking a knee during the National Anthem, would have lost their minds if Colin Kaepernick had taken a knee saying he was doing it because he opposed gay marriage in this country because he thought it was an abomination based on his religious faith. Would have been the exact same thing, except that protest actually would have made sense because then if you're protesting the U.S. National Anthem, you're protesting a decision of the United States government that you disagree with. Colin Kaepernick, when he took a knee against police brutality, was taking a knee on the same position that Barack Obama and Loretta Lynch, the president and the department head of the Department of Justice already agreed with him on it's like taking a knee like i said at mcdonald's because you want breakfast all day and then you find out that breakfast all day already exists he wasn't intelligent enough to even be making sense but that if he had taken a knee against gay marriage okay i would have still supported his right to do that but you know what who wouldn't have the same people praising him for taking a knee against police brutality they would have immediately demanded in fact that colin kaepernick be released and not allowed to play football. Even though Colin Kaepernick's position on gay marriage would have been the exact same as Barack Obama's as late as 2012 and the same as Hillary Clinton's as late as 2012 as well. Think about it. Your calls in this final segment, and then I'm going to tell you something that's a major story. I'm going to tell you that ESPN, they are screwed beyond belief. And I'm going to tell you why. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Owl Kick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, time for the Geico Play of the Day. Isaiah Thomas has been the king of the fourth quarter this season for the Celtics. But yesterday, the Phoenix Suns stole that moniker, courtesy of Tyler Eulis.:
1: Let's open, puts it up, and in! Ties it up with four seconds to go. Thomas loses the ball. A chance to win. Eulis. Go! Yeah! Resort Arena going
3: wild. That's a great call, courtesy of Fox Sports Arizona Phoenix Suns TV. The Suns score five points in the final four seconds to stun the Celtics. Not a good loss if you're Boston trying to catch the Cavs, but a huge victory for a very young Phoenix club. That's your play of the day. It's presented by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Talking about this decision by the U.S. Soccer Federation to mandate that all players stand uh, respectfully during the playing of the national anthem and also the larger context of why we play the national anthem. That's the one thing I would say that Colin Kaepernick's protest did raise an issue on is a lot of people took a step back and actually said, "Okay, why do we play the national anthem? What does it represent? Why do we do this? Marco in California, what you got for me?
5: Clay, I'm a first-time listener, a former combat Marine, and I was also representative of the United States as a junior uh, track athlete during the Soviet Union. I actually traveled with USA on my jersey and uh, competed against the Soviets. Uh, but, you know, my attitude is that we go to war and we and we talk of this country uh, – Exactly so that we can have the First Amendment and you're hundred percent right when it comes to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama uh, throwing Colin Kaepernick under the bus I happen to be from San Francisco and if they didn't agree with his politics they would have changed their attitude immediately the the First Amendment has got to be the single most important amendment uh, that we have and uh, you know I, I, I I'm a first- time listener but I've, I've been very impressed by what you had to say
3: well I appreciate the call and that, that's that's kind of where I'm going here you don't have to agree with me on anything. The First Amendment, I like to say, live and well on this show. And in fact, I think it's the most important right that we have in America. And so I believe that the vast majority of you uh, are very happy to live here, right? But I think a lot of times you have to be willing to stand up and say this this rule doesn't make sense. And sometimes, and this goes to my my larger context about when you create a rule you create an opportunity for someone to break a rule. And so that's when I say that I'm not a rule guy. I think there should be relatively few rules. And they should be implemented easily and understandably so that everyone, so it makes sense for everyone. I'll give you an example. Sports rule that makes no sense to me. Absolutely zero sense. There is no justification whatsoever for the requirement that college football players have to go to school for three years before they can get drafted into the NFL. Do you know who would be the number one overall draft pick this year if he were able to come out? Sam Darnold would be the number one overall draft pick, USC quarterback, Sam Darnold. Do you know whose career never took off in the NFL because he was required to stay for three years and get the crap beaten out of him playing college football? Marcus Lattimore, South Carolina running back. Tears up one knee as a sophomore. Tears up the other knee as a junior. Never plays in the NFL. If he had been allowed to go pro after his freshman year, he would have been ready. My position on this is pretty straightforward. I think it's the most American perspective imaginable. If you are 18 years old, I believe you should be able to make as much money as you want to make pursuing your chosen career option. We don't ask Taylor Swift to go sing in the Vanderbilt Chorus. Jennifer Lawrence is not showing up to star in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof at the University of Louisville. If you have the ability to make a living at 18, you should be able to make as much money as you possibly can. I don't think it makes sense that you have to go to college basketball for a year. I certainly don't think it makes sense that you have to go to the NFL, go to college football for three years before you go to the NFL. Now, you can say for most people, that makes sense. That rule makes sense. But rules don't make sense for everyone. And the only rules that I would want to exist are the rules that make sense for everyone. I think if you're good enough to go pro, like Sam Darnold is, after two years, or you're good enough to go pro after one year, like Marcus Lattimore was, or like Leonard Fournette was, or probably like Dalvin Cook was, instead of waiting around for a couple of years, you should be able to go pro. People say, well, what about if they don't succeed? Well, that's on them. People don't succeed all the time. That's called being an American. You pick yourself up and go find something else to do. We didn't make Mark Zuckerberg stay at Harvard for four years before he decided to found Facebook. If at 18, you can do what you want to do, and by the way, the vast majority of people who founded companies like Mark Zuckerberg at 19 or 20 years old, their companies failed. The vast majority of companies that are going to be founded in this country are going to fail. That's what creative destruction is. It's hard to create a company that's successful. I know that. I created my own company. It's successful. It's a lot more work to be a founder of a company than it is to just be an employee. There's also a lot more more reward there if you're successful. This is a country of risk takers. If you want to risk your future as an athlete, you should be able to risk your future as an athlete. We let it happen in golf. We let it happen in swimming. We let it happen in baseball. We let it happen in hockey. 18-year-olds go pro in those sports all the time. I think a bad rule is that you have to be three years before you can go pro. am going to take your calls. I'm also going to dive back into this issue about the anthem, and I'm going to tell you about a major business issue that has befallen ESPN. They are cutting $100 million in talent, talk, talent costs. A bunch of people who you watch on the air on ESPN now, they're not going to be there come this fall. ESPN's business model is screwed. They are in serious trouble. The business is in jeopardy in the years ahead. It's going to be a massive story, not just for ESPN, not just for cable, but for all of sports. I believe we're in the bubble-busting era of sports. I'll explain why. It's a major story. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage, and I'm trying to time this perfectly, and I am not doing as good of a job as I would have hoped. It's Monday. I'll get better here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Hope your money is going spectacular. (laughs) Hope your money is going well. It certainly is. Stock market's on a roll. Hope your Monday is going well, too talking about this new policy that is out there from the U.S. Soccer Federation, and then also spiraling beyond that to ask a larger question, why do we stand for the national anthem? All persons representing a federation national team shall stand respectfully during the playing of national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. Passed by the board of directors on February 9, 2017, first reported by Fox Soccer analyst host Stu Holden. And... Got a lot of calls rolling in. 877 996 6369. I put up a poll question for you, and one of you pointed out that I should have had a third option here. Does it make sense to play the national anthem before pro sports? Why pro sports and not movies or concerts? That's the question I asked. You can go follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis. You can vote as you see fit. 13 uh, Let's see, about 1,500 of you have voted. It just changed as I was reading it. Yes, it makes sense, 64% of you. No, it doesn't make sense, 36%. And a lot of you are saying that I should have also added a third option only makes sense for national sports events, such as you're representing the United States in the Olympics or you're representing the United States as a part of your national soccer team. It doesn't make sense necessarily to play the national anthem before Major League Baseball game, NHL, NBA, or NFL event. The reason why they're doing that is really Because wrapping your brand in the flag is good for business. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. And my argument is we don't do it before movies or concerts. It's just entertainment. And I think that's pretty intriguing. Let's go to the phones. Bill in New York, what you got? Hey,
6: Clay. Enjoyed the show. This is actually my first time uh, listening. It's a a nice break from those uh, bozos over on uh, Mad Dog Radio
3: appreciate that so you're listening on satellite radio i'm guessing
6: oh yeah absolutely love the love love having the channel got you in the morning now i will listen to you on my way home from work and i got a
3: uh, cow
6: herd uh, on my way in so that's good a deal 1 2 punch
3: there. all right so yeah we're so, on Sirius uh, we're- XM channel 83 for those of you out there who are still getting used to the show being on uh, satellite radio it's only been on uh, i don't know about a month uh, or 2 months on now satellite radio thanks okay bill yeah, yeah go ahead
6: awesome no, you were talking uh, uh, earlier about the uh, the rule where uh, athletes have to go to college for either one year or three years, depending on the sport. The rule not to protect the player. The rule is, in fact, is there to protect the team. I agree with you. It's a stupid rule. If you're 18 years old and you can ball, you should be able to ball. But the, they put the rule, in effect, to protect the franchises – so they're not blowing $75 million on Kwame Brown when they just saw him playing against other high school kids. And then the, he, he gets against, you know, decent competition, and he can't hold his own. So the, the the year that they have to go to college in basketball or the three years they have to do it for football, it's more of a tryout so the, the professional teams aren't blowing all their money. Yeah, Stupid okay. rule. The, the, team should, the team should have to assume that risk you know, if you want to invest in these kids. But, you know, I agree with you. It's a bad rule. But the rule is to protect the teams, not not the players.
3: Oh, yeah, I agree with you. And thanks for the call. That's why my argument is when you're 18, you should be able to go pro. And look, there are lots of 18-year-olds in the NBA who have been studs. There's actually a really good study done that pointed out that it was more reliable to take an 18-year-old who had never played in college in terms of the potential payoff than it was to take a guy who played... All four years in the in college before he went to the NBA, people always say, "Oh, if you wait till they're seniors in co- in, in college, they're going to be so much more developed." Well you look through the roster of players who came out before the one and done rule existed and think about all the guys who went pro and were insane success stories. Kevin Durant, I mean sorry, Kevin uh, Garnett, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Hamari Staudemeyer. Tracy McGrady, guys who made hundreds of millions of dollars and became the best players of their generation, frequently never went to college at all. Now, were there swings and misses, like he mentioned? Kwame Brown. Yeah, sure. But Kwame Brown wasn't a bad swing and a miss. He made tens of millions of dollars. We let guys pick up machine guns and go walk around in jungles and in foreign countries when they've never even left the country before we send them overseas and let them get shot at at 18 years old and you're telling me we can't handle the risk of whether or not a guy can dribble basketball well enough if he fails he fails that's life not as good as you thought he was going to be in the nfl that's life that happens everywhere average nfl career is 3.6 seasons average nfl player is done by the time he's 26 years old that's life We take those bodies into the NFL. We beat them up, kick them out. Only positions you can really consistently play after the age of 30 in the NFL now, there's only three play at a high level. Now, there are exceptions. There are guys who will play till 34, 35 years old at different positions. But by and large, the only three places you can still perform at a really high level in the NFL after the age of 30, kicker, punter, quarterback. Everybody else is pretty much done by the time they're 30. Certainly running backs are. Mark in Louisville, what you got for me?
7: Hey, Clay. Uh, I just want to mention on the First Amendment, that that amendment was written to protect you from government persecution and government censorship. Your employer can restrict your speech and, and require you to do things any time they wish, as long as they're not breaking the law in doing so. I mean, you have restrictions. If you started dropping N-bombs or gay bashing on your show, I know you would never do that. Ratings would go up, to,
3: probably, honestly.
7: <laughs> uh, they might, but you would be fired pretty quickly.
3: No, it's, it, in it's, it's NFL, an interesting point, but... But let me, let me stop you here. There is, yes, employers can require all sorts of things as part of the First Amendment, right? And, th- and that is an important distinction. I'll put on my lawyer hat here for you. Uh, newsflash, Jason Martin loves when I do this. I used to be a lawyer before I ended up doing this. The First Amendment is designed to protect you from persecution by your government for your political beliefs. Here's what I would say is an important distinction here, Mark. Many people out there, are being fired left and right by large corporations which are more powerful than individual state governments would be for instance let me give you an example which do you think is more powerful in the country today the state of rhode island's government or walmart (laughs) which do you think is more powerful today apple or uh the state of south dakota right i mean there are these major corporations now is disney more powerful we're going to get to this espn collapse is disney more powerful or is the uh, is the state of Montana? Like, if you had to buy stock in the state of Montana or Disney, which would you buy? I mean, so the companies have become so powerful that in many respects, and I think this is true for a lot of people driving around on their way to work this morning, it it, it used to be that companies were small enough that they didn't have the power of governments. Now, companies have become big enough that they are, in many respects, as big or as powerful as governments. Certainly, if you were talking about, is Facebook more powerful than the state of New Mexico? I think Facebook is more powerful than the state of New Mexico. But so, yes, you're right. The government does matter in terms of the way the First Amendment's being applied here. Now, the difference is when you're representing the United States government in many respects as these foundations or these federations are, I do think that's a little bit different than saying the San Francisco 49ers can have this policy or the Chicago Bulls can have this policy. This is a representation of, in some sense, the United States government. Uh,
7: Well, I want to go back to the teams, though. Um, You know, Well, I'll say it this way for the the federal teams, too, or the the government-sponsored teams. You're representing this team. You're representing a country when you do these particular things. And part part of your employment is not to embarrass or not to bring controversy to that team. So Colin Kaepernick, he possibly lost fans for his team by acting that way because he isolated a certain segment of society. And these businesses, they depend on people from both political parties all different beliefs to support them financially. So as an employee, you have to check what you say. And I would venture to say that he had he gone to his team. Um, they probably would have said, hey, not during the game, but after the game, here's a podium and we'll stand right by you, whether we agree with what you have to say or not, and allow you to say it in the appropriate venue.
3: Yeah, thanks for the call, Mark. And you're right about that. That, that was one of my also criticisms of Colin Kaepernick, is he did it at a venue when he's already getting the media attention that he wants. Colin Kaepernick could have talked about his issues with whatever the government were. And again, his issues were not very intelligent. And his knowledge of politics, I think that Colin Kaepernick's an idiot. Because what he was protesting, the federal government was already doing. And most people didn't even bother to point that out either because they weren't smart enough in the sports media to understand. Wait a minute, Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee protesting police killings. And he wants the federal government to be more involved in them. Hello, that's what Barack Obama as the president and Loretta Lynch as the Department of Justice are already doing. They're providing their own investigations, following up on state and local government investigations to ensure that there isn't a cover-up of wrongdoing going on here. He's protesting something that the federal government was already doing. And most people didn't realize that or they weren't willing to criticize Colin Kaepernick because they're white guys, by and large, in the media, sports media, and they were afraid of being called racist. I embrace it. You can call in, call me racist. You can call me anything you want. It's good for radio. It's good for my ratings. Up 20,000% over last year, by the way. That's actually true. It's amazing. I even I believe that I'm incapable of being stopped. I'm like a freight train running across the landscape here. Even I was impressed when I found out we were up 20,000% streaming-wise over what we were doing last year. That's a hell of an increase. I didn't even think that was possible, and I think I'm unstoppable. Uh, But there's a distinction between what Colin Kaepernick did and what I think has become commonplace everywhere, which is I think a lot of you out there right now like this show because my goal is to be smart, original, funny, and authentic every day, every single day, and I tell you exactly what I think. And I think a lot of you out there, regardless of your political persuasion, are similar in some respects to Mark out there because you know that you could be fired at any moment in time for something that you tweet or put on Facebook. This idea, and look, you're right, the First Amendment doesn't apply to private companies. My argument is that private companies have become so powerful that in many respects they are more powerful today than many of our state government entities would be. And I mean that. Which do you think is more powerful? Facebook, which is a 400 billion-dollar company, or Puerto Rico? In, In all honesty, like I think that Facebook is more powerful than Puerto Rico, which would have more of an ability to impact governmental outcomes. Puerto Rico, which is basically a bankrupt commonwealth right now, or Facebook, which has more of an impact on national policy, Disney or North Dakota? And the reason why I raise that as an issue is because so many of you feel like you are being judged at all moments for every opinion that you have. And that at any moment, you can go on Facebook and say something, and if it's just a little bit outside the bounds of politically acceptable speech, then you can lose your job. As a firm believer in the marketplace of ideas, I don't like that. I want you to be comfortable saying whatever you want to say and not having to worry about your job being taken away from you, especially when it's in your own private time. And maybe that's the larger context here. We don't really have private time anymore. It used to be when you finished your job and you left, you were done for the day. I gave this example. I was, took my family down to Disney World recently and I stayed plugged in still continue to respond to email, everything else. I work all day long now. A lot of you listening right now do too. Your phone's always buzzing. You're always getting work email. It's an illusion that there is an end to your work day for many of us out there. If you're constantly working and you're constantly in public, either on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the entity that you use in social media is, Many of you, I feel like, feel as if you're under a cloud of suspicion all day long, and that you don't have the ability to be private individuals with fully developed political beliefs, because at any moment, you might get fired for something that you post on Facebook. Man, I think that's a little bit of a difference compared to what it would have been 20 years ago, or 25 years ago. I believe in a robust marketplace of ideas, and I think a lot of you have opinions that you're afraid to share because you think you might lose your job. I get paid to share my opinion, and I think they're pretty expansive. Let's take a break. All right, I officially will hit it when I promise you when I come back why ESPN is screwed. I'm going to tell you about the $100 million in cost-cutting that ESPN is doing that's going to take a ton of people that you see now on ESPN off your television it's more of an in indication, as if you needed another one, that what I have been saying is true. The great sports rights bubble has begun to pop in this modern era. And Let me go ahead and tell you about interstate batteries. Interstate batteries, when you really need to be there, you really need an interstate. The car battery auto techs prefer. Let one of those techs test your battery today. Find a location near you at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. I'm always outrageously dependable. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Alcate the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Broke the news last night that on Twitter, at Clay Travis, you can find me there. A couple of things that I broke on Twitter. Number one, there there've been a lot of dispute out there about whether or not I could actually bench 225 pounds. A lot of haters, a lot of fake news people when I tweeted that I could do 225 pounds. If you go to my Twitter feed right now, the very top of the Twitter feed page, I had a stranger Snapchat me bench pressing 225 pounds three times. Let's go around the horn. Jason Martin, Danny G. Robert, did you guys believe that I could actually do it, or did you think that I was I was full of it?
0: I thought it was possible, but I'm glad that there's evidence now to prove it.
3: <laughs> and if you're wondering why the 225, that's the number that the NFL guys all do at the combine. Now, some of those guys, I think the record's 38 reps, something insane. I mean, 225 is a lot of weight. I'm six foot, 180, 185. I don't know what my latest number is. I don't really weigh myself very frequently, But I've been somewhere between 175 and 185 pounds for about a decade. Danny G, Robert, did you guys think that I could do it?
1: We were pretty impressed, Clay, although here in the L.A. studios, we actually have some weights back at the back of the studio that we uh, take out during the breaks. And we do about 200 on single arm curls. Yeah, that would
3: be that would be incredible. Are there actual <laughs> weights in the studio?
1: There are. Yeah. And uh, Robert, when he he goes through phases once in a while, he'll he'll do be doing push-ups in the main studio here.
3: I'm i gr- I'm great at push-ups. It's probably my best physical trait. I can do tons of push ups. And so uh, I did 225 three times. It's up uh, there as part of the uh, as part of the combine training. And I, I we also talked about this. Maybe we'll talk about it later in the show about the number of people out there, number of guys out there driving around. We had a guy do a 4 uh, 2 This guy, what's his name, John Ross? Am I correct in that? I think his name yes. is John Ross. Yes. Wide receiver from the University of Washington. Ran a 4 2 to break Chris Johnson's four-two-four 4 record. Chris Johnson, obviously, uh, star running back for the Tennessee Titans, who, uh, who left and has not really had much success since then. But he did run for 2,000 yards in a season and had several really impressive years with the Tennessee Titans. And so you look at that speed, and the number of people out there right now who are driving around in their cars that believe that they can break a 5.040 is one of the dumbest opinions that exist in a, in a popular co- concept in all of America. And I think it's because most people haven't actually been timed in a 40, and they got we have this really misguided sense of speed, by which I mean if you can run a 5.040, you're really fast. Most teams out there that you played on in high school, most high school football teams in the country do not have a single guy who can run a legit 4.9. I mean, a legit 4.9 under a 5.0. Most high school football teams don't have a single player who can do that. Legitimate 4.5 speed is insanely rare. If you doubt me, look at all the guys who are really fast that we don't question at all. That did not run a four-five in their combine sprints, right? Christian McCaffrey, really fast, four-four-seven or four-four-eight. Leonard Fournette, really fast, four-five-one. These are guys that have been training for years ever since they got to the college campuses, and they don't run a four-five on the laser at the NFL Combine. Not because they're not insanely fast. I didn't see anybody catch Leonard Fournette from behind. I didn't see anybody catch Dalvin Cook from behind all last year. I didn't see anybody catch, really, Alvin Kamara either from Tennessee, certainly Christian McCaffrey from Stanford, the four running backs that are expected, I think, to go in the first round this year. But they're insanely fast, right? Yet every single guy just about who got signed as part of a major college football conference uh, team claims that he runs a four-five <laughs> in his high school bio. And that's because his high school coach is lying to him. High school coach 100% lying to him, standing there with the time clock, stealing tenths of seconds. There are a lot of guys listening right now who believe that they run under a five because their high school coach clocked them at 4.85 when they were seniors. You actually ran a five two. Your coach lied to you. But there's a large percentage of people out there, and what I always say is, it's because most people haven't done it. They believe that you think right now that you are faster than the average defensive tackle in the NFL. You're wrong. The average defensive tackle in the NFL, as fat as he is and as out of shape as he looks, would dust your ass in a race, would leave you behind. And if you think you could run a 5-0, I think it was Arian Foster ran a 4-7 something, maybe even a 4-8 at the combine. Arian Foster had a pretty good career. He's now talking about fighting wolves, but he had a pretty good career. And if you think you could run a five zero, 0 what you're saying effectively is that if you lined up next to Arian Foster, you would be able to dive and tackle him at the end of your 40. That's how close you would be to him. You would be breathing on his heels, neck and neck with Arian Foster. Star NFL running back. You're full of it. And the an example I always use is if you can't dunk a basketball, you can't break a five zero forty. Odds are if you can't dunk a basketball, you can't break a 5040 because it's fast twitch muscles because that's what allows you to have the ability to actually dunk a basketball you guys know you can't train yourself to dunk a basketball you can get a little bit better at your vertical you can get a little bit better at your speed by and large you are born able to jump and you were born able to run now you can refine it you can harness it you can maximize your speed you can maximize your vertical But this idea out there that you're fast, that you can break a 5.040, you can't do it. And at some point in time near future, we're going to do a charity event for OutKick. And I will give you five times your entry fee if you break a 5.040 on the the actual laser. And in the meantime, you'll have to put up a dollar figure in order to run. And we'll make tens, I think we could make tens of thousands of dollars for charity if we did this yearly. I think we could have a 40 challenge. We get you out there. We get you loose. I don't want you to tear your hamstrings. Get you loose. Get you doing all your high leg kicks, your high knees, everything else. And then we put you on the line and you run. And maybe five times the money isn't what we give you because it's for charity. So I don't want you stealing money out of the charitable foundation. But you get some sort of massive reward. We'll do that. 100%. It makes sense to do it. Did I do my ads yet? I can't remember if I did my ads yet. Uh, I think I did do the ads. We're good, right? All right, let's go ahead and find out what's trending now. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And this is real. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will, about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. You're getting paid by the train people now. I'm going to be really disappointed if one of you idiots gets hit by a train now that we're doing ads on not get hit by a train. Can't believe I have to tell you guys. Don't get hit by a train. They have to pay us now. They're paying me now to tell you not to get hit by trains. America's a great country. So we've been talking about the national anthem. We've been talking about uh, how slow you actually are, the fact that you can't actually run a 40, the fact that we can make tens of thousands of dollars proving this fact could make a lot of sense. We need to set that up. We need to have our own combine challenge and maybe some of the people who will show up will be former ESPN employees because ESPN is about to cut $100 million, nearly $100 million in on-air talent salaries. I have been talking about this for several years now, and ESPN keeps putting out stuff saying, no, this is not true. Clay Travis is not right when he's writing that our business model is screwed. ESPN is now cutting up to $100 million in overall talent. These are on-air talent people. You are going to see a lot less people on-air at ESPN in the year ahead and certainly in the next couple of months. They're buying people out and they're firing them. And the reason is pretty simple and straightforward. It's because ESPN's business model is crumbling around them. Now, you might be saying, oh, you work for Fox Sports Radio. Of course you're going to be saying that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is a larger societal trend that cable and satellite channels are under siege because I went and talked to the University of Tennessee last week and I was blown away, college kids out there. I said, how many of you pay for a subscription for cable or satellite? And only a couple of hands went up. This is the millennial generation. This is the young kids out there. I said, how many of you actually read a physical newspaper? I think one hand went up. Media consumption habits are changing rapidly. When I go out and I talk to media, you know what the number one thing that they've, uh, to to my audience, the young audience, you know what the number one thing they requested? It's wild. Number one thing they requested was iTunes. They said, I want your podcast up on iTunes. And by the way, today is going to be the first day that Outkick the Coverage is up on iTunes. And I'm not a podcast guy. I'm 37. I don't spend that much time in my car. I don't listen to podcasts. I have a podcast. I don't listen to them. My wife does. She spends more time in the car. She comes back. She tells me, oh, you got to listen to this podcast. It's great. I'm just happy when she listens to me in the morning instead of Howard Stern. That's my goal. It's my goal for my wife to come in and say, you know what? I flipped over to your show instead of listening to Howard Stern on satellite radio. It wasn't bad today. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's my goal. Get my wife to flip over from Howard Stern and listen to the show every now and then. But she listens to podcasts. 18 to 22-year-olds is all they want to talk about, podcasts. You know why? Because they want to be able to hear and see exactly what they want at that exact moment they don't want to have to be up like you guys are in your car driving into work all over the country or coming home from work or whatever you're doing thanks for listening to us be a part of your day 6 to 9 a.m eastern we're on for three hours millennials they want to be like i don't want to listen to your show from 6 to 9 a.m eastern i want to listen to it from 11 30 to 12 30 when i have my hour-long lunch break And I want to be able to fast forward to it. And if I know you're going to talk about X and I care about X, I'm going to listen to that. I just want to hear you talk about the things that I care about. I don't care about listening to all three hours. I don't care about just getting in my car and pushing a button. And obviously the future is going to be pretty rapidly. We're getting there. You'll get into your car and you will say, I want the latest Clay Travis. And it'll just pop up and start playing for you. And basically that's what podcasts are now. But I think everybody's going to have that soon in their cars. I think you'll get in, your car will be so networked. And what we'll hopefully be able to do in the future is you'll say, I want to hear Clay Travis talk to Stanford coach David Shaw. Or you'll get in your card and be like, I wonder if Clay Travis has ever talked to Mike McIntyre, head coach of Colorado. And you'll put it up and it'll be Mike McIntyre hanging up on me because he got upset. Or maybe you just want to hear an old interview. Or maybe you want to hear me talk about the collapse of ESPN. You'll be like, I want to hear Clay Travis talk about the collapse of ESPN and there'll be four or five different times that I've talked about it on the show, you can go through and pick the date that you want. Well, this will be one of them. Hello to the future. And right now in the future, you're listening to this, and you're saying, well, how come more people didn't see what Clay saw? And I think the answer is because they didn't want to. Because when you have been a successful business like ESPN for as long as ESPN has been, you don't want to believe that things are going to change. Just like Sports Illustrated. Think about Sports Illustrated. That company is almost done as an entity. I think in five years, the only magazine that Sports Illustrated still makes is going to be the swimsuit issue. Amazingly, that swimsuit issue is still relevant. Everything else that Sports Illustrated does isn't relevant anymore. And it's amazing how quickly it's given up the ghost, despite the fact that for decades it was incredibly successful business. Let me explain why. Think about Sports Illustrated. Odds are every single one of you listening to this right now at some point in time has gotten to Sports Illustrated and flipped through it and read an article. It used to be a big deal to wait around for an SI and see who was going to be on the cover and then go read the article, right? used to be a really big deal. If your team got on the cover of SI and there was a big cover story about one of your favorite players, you were really excited. You wanted to make sure you read it. By now, SI doesn't get to homes until when? Wednesday or Thursday after the weekend already happened? You've already discussed every single game that's already taken place. There's nothing that SI can write that's relevant. It's too late. SI as a business was effectively the same as a newspaper. What's the business of SI? From a pure business perspective, Sports Illustrated, all they did was deliver advertisements to your house. Think about it. You get out that magazine, you flip through it, and they've got an ad for whatever company it is, and they're selling all those page ads in bright color, And let's say they have 100 ads in that magazine. When they sell those 100 ads, they don't have any left. So they can go out to all these different brands and they can say, hey, Wendy's, if you don't buy this full page, then McDonald's is. You better get on it and buy this ad if you want to be in here. Hey, if you don't buy this ad, Coke, you know who is? Pepsi. You better get out here. You better do it. We've only got 100 pages of ads. And when you only had 100 pages of ads, you had some exclusivity to sell. You could put pressure on the advertisers. You could say, man, you know how big this NCAA tournament issue is. Arby's has got 20 ads. You sure, McDonald's, you don't want to be in here? We got 20 Arby ads. A lot of roast beef being sold. You better get in here. And if you didn't do it, then you might worry about your business being hurt. Or if you didn't do it, you got out the magazine and when you opened it up and you were an advertising executive, you said, damn, I knew we should have bought that ad. Then the internet came. And instead of having a hundred pages of ads, you have an infinite number of ads. And SI said, well, our business model is good. Why would we worry about the internet? Why would we sell an ad online for 20% or 10% or 5% or 1% of what we get for a print ad? And so they just kept riding along, riding along, riding along, and they took their business right off the side of a mountain. That's what ESPN's doing. ESPN is in the business of selling sports to people who never watch sports. If you don't know how ESPN's business model works right now, every single person who's listening to this show right now that has a cable or satellite subscription is paying around $8 a month to ESPN. $96 a year. Roughly 100 bucks a year just to ESPN. You also pay for ESPN2, you pay for ESPN. you pay for everything. In the last six years, ESPN has lost 13 million subscribers. They've gone from 100 million and change to about 88 million. That's billions of dollars in lost revenue. I've been writing about it at OutKick. I'm the only person who's been covering it in sports media. And ESPN two years ago cut hundreds of millions of dollars in behind-the-scenes cost. This year they're cutting $100 million in on-air talent costs. You know why? Because they've overspent for sports rights. I'm going to explain this more to you when you come back and why it's going to trickle down and why it could impact ultimately your favorite teams and favorite player salaries. I'm going to leave you with this stat. There are three players in the history of the NBA that have made $30 million or more. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and you are not going to believe who the third guy is, unless you already read OutKick, unless you've listened to me for a while. If you do that, then you're smarter than everybody else. If you don't, you're going to want to hear who this third player is. I'm Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, Last batteries proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. Three guys made over $30 million a year in their NBA career. Number one, Michael Jordan. Kind of a talented guy. Number two, Kobe Bryant. Number three, Memphis Grizzly point guard Mike Conley. Can win a lot of money from your buddies this week. If they don't listen to Outkick the coverage, this week you break out that stat and I guarantee you can make some money. Sitting down with your buddies, having a beer. Say, you know what? Well, have been three guys who ever made $30 million a year in the NBA? Unless they also listen to my show or read my site, there's a 0% chance. Or they're like the, the hardest core Memphis Grizzly fan imaginable. There's zero chance that's going to happen. Well, you're sitting around out there. You're saying it's like a record scratch moment for you, right? For a lot of you. Say, man, Mike Conley? Dude's like the ninth best point guard in the NBA. How is it possible that he's making $30 million a year? It's because ESPN way overpaid for the NBA television rights. And as a result, ESPN is in serious trouble. Let me explain. ESPN for 30 years was the only cable sports network while ABC and CBS and NBC and Fox were fighting over b- major broadcast deals. ESPN's business model was different. ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox all can only make the money that they make off of advertising, right? Makes sense. You understand that business model. You're sitting around watching television show. They go to commercial break. That's how they pay for it. You get frustrated watching an NFL game and you've got touchdown, and then commercial break, and then kickoff, and then commercial break. And you're like, ah, this sucks. Well, that's how they pay for the broadcast. That's why you get to watch it for, in quotation marks, free. ESPN's business model is different. Cable and satellite, you don't realize this because the cable and satellite bundle isn't broken down for you. But when your bill comes in, and you get your bill for cable or satellite, and you look at it, and it says $120 for whatever package you have. You got Comcast, DirecTV, Dish Network, Time Warner, whoever you've got, you pay $120 a month, let's say, just to be simple. Well, they don't break down what every channel costs. Now, you understand that some channels cost more because if you have HBO, that's a premium channel, or you have Cinemax, or whatever that station is, Showtime out there. I love Billions. God, I love the show Billions aired last night. If you haven't watched Billions and you like entertaining media just drama. Man, you you're with me on this, right? Giamatti and who's the who's I always forget the dude's name. Damian Lewis. To, Damian Lewis. That's a good show, right, Jason Martin?
0: Yeah, I write about it every week. It's it's gotten really good. I think it started a little bit slow, but it's it's definitely one people should be watching now.
3: It's about the battle between a hedge fund and uh the New York uh the, the the basically the the ag in new york like a, they're trying to indict him for a hedge fund trading it's fantastic it's an incredible show but that's a premium channel i pay extra for showtime you pay extra for showtime and now it makes even more sense right you understand how it works with netflix if you love house of cards or narcos or stranger things you pay for that on netflix And if you have Amazon Prime and you like whatever the shows are on Amazon Prime, you understand that you're paying for all of those over-the-top, right? Over-the-top networks. Maybe you have the WWE Network, too. My kids are now getting into old-school wrestling. We just signed up for the WWE Network. All those things you pay for were over-the-top. You know what they cost. Well, you don't know what channels cost on your cable bill. And ESPN costs almost $8 a month. Well, where does ESPN's money come from? Only about 25% of ESPN's money comes from advertising. Most of their money comes from that $8 a month that everybody's paying. A white bulb's probably going off in your head right now. You're thinking, boy, that's a lot of money. And it's true, it is. But well, where's that money coming from? A lot of that money is coming from people who never watch ESPN. Your Aunt Gladys, who isn't a sports fan, is paying almost $100 a year for ESPN, even though she never watches it. And that $100 a month that ESPN gets from their aunt, your Aunt Gladys, they make billions of dollars a year. That's billions with a B off of people that never watch their channel. And then they take that money and they pay it to the leagues for their sports rights. And the result is every single person out there in the entire country is paying over $30 a, a year for the NBA. And only a tiny fraction of you are actually watching the NBA. And that's how Mike Conley ends up making $30 million a year. But the number of cable and satellite subscribers is rapidly declining. And so ESPN is now caught with $7 billion a year, over $7 billion a year, that they're paying for sports rights, for the NFL, for Monday Night Football, for the NBA, for all the games that they put on. And they can't pay for that based on the revenue that they're bringing in because their revenue is rapidly declining which is why they cut hundreds of millions of dollars a couple of years ago in cost, which is why they're now cutting nearly $100 million in on-air talent. ESPN is drowning under the obligations that they owe for the leagues in the future. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Kick the Coverage, the smartest in all of sports talk radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Let's also go ahead and knock this one out. This show brought to you by TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3 grand off MSRP whether you're looking for a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, several things I want to hit here as so we begin hour number three. First, I went to the Preds Blackhawks game on Saturday. I'm a big NHL fan, as you well know. I've been arguing for a long time <laughs> that if you put yeah, if you put a tiger on the ice in the NHL, it would make things so much better. And every time I go to an NHL game, I think both if you put a fat goalie like a sumo wrestler in the goalie, I think that would be incredible to watch and then also tiger on the ice or alligator or any other object or animal that could injure someone, I would, I, it would be riveting television. I don't know what the Stanley Cup final rankings ratings would do, but I bet it would be like three times as high as it's ever been before. Because you tell me right now, we've got hockey plus a tiger, and at any moment the tiger might just attack somebody. Now, I don't know. The tiger might get cold. I don't know how his paws would be impacted by long-term on the ice. I don't want to go to jail for putting a tiger on the ice, but you tell me a tiger's on the ice and at any moment it could attack a man and I'm all in. Or that you don't know like you think you got somebody's got a breakaway and then a tiger just out of nowhere just grabs somebody or the tiger gets close to the goalie. You tell me how hard it is to be defending the goal with a with a tiger just kind of prowling around the outside of your goal cuz the goalie can't move much. Everybody else can move. It, it would be huge. You'd have to have like Guys try to chase the tiger away from your goalie. But there's a whole lot of different logistics that would go into the game. And if the tiger jumps on a man, well, then you would like shock him and get him off the man. I wouldn't let him eat the man. But I'm telling you, tiger on the ice in hockey would be incredible. But my guy, so I was at, the, I was at this game. And it ended up like, being like a pretty good game. I was there with a couple of buddies. And I have a gold wedding band. And the gold wedding band is old. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's, it was my grandfather's wedding band. So my grandfather, who was an old school, he's one of the first in a long line of University of Tennessee football players not to graduate from the University of Tennessee, played for General Nealon back in the day, big guy, Gra- uh, I got his wedding ring. So I wear his red- wedding ring. So during the game, I've got a beer in my hand or whatever, and, uh, and like probably like a lot of you out there, whether you're married, guy, or girl, every now and then when you're just sitting around, like I'll play with the ring on my finger. You know, just kind of pull it around. It's like I was trying to pick somebody up. I wasn't taking my ring off. But I was sitting there beside my buddies, like, just, you know, watching the, the hockey match. And I'm just kind of pulling on my ring. None of you other guys are married, so you don't know this. But I guarantee you that there are a lot of guys out there who do the same thing. I imagine there's a lot of women, too. You just, your ring's on your finger. It's something, you're sitting there, nothing else to do, wondering why there isn't a tiger on the ice during the NHL game. He's uh, a huge hockey fan like me. And so I'm sitting there and out of nowhere, like my ring just slides off my finger and I drop it. And I'm like, uh oh, this is a disaster. So I don't have my ring. It's it's the, uh, the Blackhawks score with like one minute to go to win the game four to three, which is probably good for me because if it had gone into overtime, I don't know if we ever find the ring. And immediately to their credit, there's like six or seven people around who are helping me look for this this ring. Everybody files out of the arena. It's amazing how quickly the arena files out after a team loses. And so I've got a bunch of different iPhones out with the with the lights on, like going around all the different plates. And this guy Thomas, who's a who's a a, a guy who works at the at the Preds Arena, like the Cedar. He the guy comes up and he's like, I, I will never forget this. He's like, and not only if you look, I mean my, my ring is not valuable in the context. of it's just a gold band, if it were just a normal band, I wouldn't have even worried about it. I would have said okay. I've lost it. I would have still looked for it, but I wouldn't have cared because it wouldn't have had a sentimental value. But this is my grandfather's ring. I don't want to lose it. And Thomas shows up. And you know how if you're going to a doctor and it's a really good doctor and you sit down with him and they immediately say, I got this. You're covered. We got no issues. You just, it's like bedside manner. You feel a lot better. Thomas gets there and he immediately says, we'll find it. And so my buddy, I was there with a couple of buddies and my buddy says, wait a minute, you must have to find a lot of rings before. And he says, No. Never had to look for a ring before. I was like, well, how are you so confident you can find this ring? And he said, because I've found a lot of phones before. Well, a phone is huge. I mean, it's kind of hard to lose a phone. I mean, granted, you can find it, but a a phone is huge. But I'll be damned. We've been looking for like 10 or 15 minutes. Thomas shows up, and within 30 seconds, he finds it. So I want to give a shout out. I don't know if he listens or not. Thomas, uh, at the the Preds Blackhawk game, found my ring. So that was a big weekend. (laughs) Big weekend of activity. Other big weekend of activity. Arian Foster said he could beat a wolf. Do you guys think that Arian Foster could beat a wolf? Because I've I've thought about this for a long time. We used to get, and I think we got this question in the mailbag before. What is the largest animal that you could kill? Open phone lines for this. 877-996-6369. Important question. What's the largest animal that you think you could kill? with only your fists and or your hands as a defense mechanism. Again, I want to make this clear because somebody's going to call in and say, well, I'd get a club and I would hit. No, no, no. All you have is your hands. So you are in a life or death struggle with an animal. What's the largest animal you could kill with just your hands? Arian Foster says he could kill a wolf. His argument is he's 230 a wolf's probably 180 200 he argues that he has thumbs that's a tremendous advantage and by the way i invited arian foster who was a subject in my 2008 my second book on rocky top arian foster was a senior uh in the second book that i wrote wrote about him a decent amount got to know his family good group of people i've invited him to come on and talk about wolf versus man do you guys think let's go around the horn start with jason martin do you do you have Arian Foster or the Wolf in the man versus Arian Foster fight?
0: Man, I see Arian Foster's argument. I went through the tweets and him talking about the thumbs and it, all he could do is bite, and if he grabbed him by the neck, he couldn't bite, and it would be all over and all of those kinds of things. I'm still taking the Wolf because I just feel like Arian Foster hasn't given the Wolf enough credit for being crafty and doing things he's not expecting. If he can't grab his neck – He's the one that's going to be running. It's not like the wolf is going to start running from Arian Foster.
3: You know, what was the Liam Neeson movie where he fought the wolf?
0: Was that you know, the, the, he the... crashed wolf.
3: in the the gray, in the airplane? The
0: gray. The gray. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. This is an Arian Foster question that total. I mean, because I am fascinated by this question. The moment that you told me Liam Neeson was fighting a wolf, I was all in on going to see that movie. I don't even get to go see movies that often, but I saw that movie preview... And when Liam Neeson is like putting like uh, the wrappings on his hands to fight the wolf, and if you remember correctly, it was an airplane that crashes in the middle of nowhere, and the wolves start stalking the men. And Liam Neeson, in the baddest Liam Neeson ass move imaginable, is using the tiny little liquor bottles that he's broken as shards to fight the wolves. And I'm telling you, that movie is is really dark. But it's a hell of a movie where the wolves are coming after the people and everything else. It's a it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. But you show me Liam Neeson fighting a wolf, I'm going to see that movie every time. So Arian Foster fighting a wolf, I would watch it every time. Tiger on the ice in an NHL game, I would watch it every time. Danny G and Robert, who you got? Arian Foster or the wolf?
1: I got the wolf, and I don't think it's really that hard because I don't trust vegan Arian Foster. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, if he were a meat eater, you would, you would go with him? You yeah, just don't I, think he's like strong, as strong as he as Exactly. Used to
1: be? I, I still would probably lean for the wolf anyways, but if he's a vegan Arian Foster, there's no way he could beat a wolf.
3: Intriguing. I'm going to put this up as our newest poll question. We've talked about the national anthem in hour one. We're moving along to who you got, wolf or Arian Foster. A lot of poll ver- question variety there. Any other additional wolf versus Arian Foster votes? All right, here's the question. Here's the question that I have hanging out there that I want your phone calls on. You can go with Arian versus the wolf. You can give me your opinion. You can break it down why you think Arian Foster or the wolf would win. 877 996 6369. But my question for you is also as a part of that, what is the biggest animal that an average man, I'm not talking about Andre the giant back in the day, right? I'm not talking about a seven foot six, 500 pound man. I'm talking about what's the average size man in America today? Five nine, five ten, a 180 pounds. Like an average dude the most average guy at a football stadium, at a baseball stadium that you see. What is the largest animal that an average man could kill? I think it's clear that an average man could kill like a dog or a cat. It could, an average man could kill a squirrel. An average man could kill some birds, a duck, a turkey. What's the largest animal you could kill? I've thought about this before. Could you kill a deer with your hands? Let's assume that you could tackle a deer, which is not likely, right? But let's assume that you could tackle a deer. Could you choke a deer out? If it had antlers, I don't know if you could choke it out. How would you kill a deer? I guess you could, and again, you have to use your hands. You can't like get a a rock and just start hitting the animal. You have to be able to kill the animal. For instance, and I would watch this all day. If you just put a deer versus a man inside of a octagon this is what i need to start a business i need to start the ufc of man versus animal is that legal could i do that this guy's making a ton of money they just sold the ufc for four billion dollars right conor mcgregor against floyd mayweather is going to make a billion dollars how much would conor mcgregor versus a wolf make are you telling me you wouldn't order that conor mcgregor in a ring against a wolf who knows what might happen? I would watch the hell out of that. Average man against, like, you know, we used to have men box the bears, right? I would watch in a heartbeat a man fight a bear. I mean, The Revenant won, won Leonardo DiCaprio and Oscar. I'm all in on that. I'm going to put up the poll question. Who you got, Wolf or Arian Foster, largest animal. Could you kill a cow? Somebody asked me that once. Could you choke a cow out? A cow's not very fast. If you jumped on the back of a cow and just tried to put a sleeper hold on a cow, is there any way you could constrict a cow's ability to 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 continue? Like I don't, I like I don't think that you could kill a cow if you just stood beside it and just punched it all day. Let's assume that you just chased the cow around and punched it all day. I don't think you could do it. Could you knock a cow out? Tyson might be able to. The average man, I don't know. 877-996-6369. Important questions. Wolf versus man. What animal could you kill? Might matter. Zombies might come back one day. Might have to kill animals again to live. Important question. Unless you're a vegan. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Get the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Just like you were dreaming of. Final hour of the show. What animal could you kill if your life depended on it? Twitter has blown up. I'm at Clay Travis. Go follow what your fellow OutKick listeners are sending me. We got a deer kicking the crap out of a man. An amazing number of you. (laughs) I think it's interesting what people tweet about. An amazing number of you are involved in canine training. I mean, I think three different dudes, and that's an amazing number, really, to have tweet you almost immediately. I train canines for a living to attack people. And there's no way that Arian Foster, you're saying, could beat a German Shepherd that they had trained. And I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. I can't even keep up with my mentions right now. I'm at Clay Travis. We've got loaded phone lines. I'm going to go to those in a minute. The poll question, we've, we've covered a lot of ground on the poll questions today. If people are waking up late, they're like, man, what's going on with this uh, Outkick the Coverage show? We started off asking the question... Does it make sense to play the National Anthem before pro sports? Why pro sports and not movies or concerts? Thousands of you voted. 66% of you said, yes, it makes sense. So we started off the show talking about a really important question. What's our obligation as a nation when it comes to the National Anthem in sports? And we have now moved on to who you got, Wolf or Arian Foster, in a fight to the death. And hundreds of you have now voted on that as well. 64% of you going Wolf. And again, if you want to be entertained, there's a video of a hunter being, att- <laughs> being attacked by a deer, and I don't know how I can't stop watching this. A deer went deer. I'm trying to think of what you would call it. The deer, the deer went. I don't even think you would say a deer went deer, because I don't think of a deer as being really violent. But he's whooping this man's ass. This hunter just getting crushed by this by this deer. And then we've also got a canine just wiping out somebody. Which is incredible to watch as well. Those are the only I can't even keep up with the mentions right now. Again, I'm at Clay Travis. This started because Arian Foster went on and said that he could beat an, a, a wolf face to face. And Jason Martin, you have his tweets pulled up.
0: Yeah, these are amazing. He started by saying, "Want to go camping, but wildlife scares the bleep out of me." Totally then agree there. Yes. Then he says, "I honestly think I can get a wolf one on one, though." Then he goes, I've studied the wolf. He can't read. Ouch, illiterate smack. I know his weaknesses plus the thumb thing. If he bites me, his main weapon is immobilized, then becomes vulnerable. This is why thumbs are so important. Thumbs means I can grab him. He can't grab me. All he has is a mouth. Grab his neck. He can't bite. And then he just starts smack-talking the wolf. Also (laughs) hasn't been to four Pro Bowls. Overcome those injuries and doesn't have thumbs. Advantage me. Expletives. And then he talks about how y'all gassed wolves via fables and fairy tales as if we overrate wolves because of that. And then finally, so he's he arguing
3: basically off. like little red riding hood, we yes. overrate the wolf because of uh, because of little red Correct. riding hood. Correct. And then
0: finally example. he breaks out, "Bro, you think a wolf knows where my artery is?" all of a sudden. That's his word. "I'm fighting a wolf that knows biology." Well, that's
3: a really funny line. But I think naturally don't animals know vulnerable points?
0: They know what a throat looks like. I can tell you that.
3: Right. I mean, I don't know innately what a wolf knows about biology, but I think he would recognize that a throat is a vulnerable place for a human. Right. I don't know. Your phone, your phone calls, Matt in Virginia. I'm asking the question, what's the largest animal that you could kill? And also you can give your verdict on Arian versus the wolf. Matt in Virginia. What's up?
5: Well, I don't know about me personally, but I I saw that guy on that video uh, basically sucker punch a kangaroo.
3: So I saw that video too. I love to watch people fight animals. Peter's going to be Peter's going to be outraged by the entire uh, show today. I'm probably going to get protested. Uh, but so man, so you think a kangaroo? Yeah, he went with a kangaroo,
0: but I mean, you know, kangaroos can box, right? And that always been sort of the wives tale about kangaroos. If wives tell stories about kangaroos. I don't think box. that's a
3: wives' tale. I think that they, they have put kangaroos in boxing yeah. gloves before and had people fight them.
0: Like, I don't think I want to go toe-to-toe with Rue. Like, I'm going to back off that one. Is
3: there a single person listening to this show right now that would not watch me box a kangaroo?
0: Oh, I'd be all over it. I'd like to see the footwork involved on both sides.
3: I trained as a boxer very minimally, more so than a kangaroo is trained as a, as a boxer, though. I would have an advantage, I think, on skill. But I, the, kangaroos are tall when they really stand up, and animals are big. Yeah, they, remember, I lived in the Caribbean for a few years, and people are always saying it's fun to go swim with dolphins. It's only fun to go swim with dolphins when you know that the dolphin is going to be there because otherwise a dolphin is huge. I'm, one of my buddies was – I remember one of my buddies who was li- living in the Virgin Islands at the time, he, uh, he came in and he said, look, he said, I know people say that swimming with dolphins is awesome, He said, I was just out for an early morning swim this morning. Like, I went for a jog, and then, you know, you're living in the the islands. You can just go jump in the water and go, you know, go for a swim, nice refreshing dip. And he said, and this dolphin came up on me, and I didn't know that the dolphin was going to be there. And I just saw a fin, and he said, I thought I was going to die. And he said, I mean, you think about it. People are like, oh, I went and swam with the dolphins. Yeah, you went and swam with the dolphins when you knew that they were dolphins. If you're just in the ocean and a dolphin comes up on you, you don't know it's a dolphin. You think it's a shark. Now, I've seen some of those videos of guys. You see the video of the guy who dragged the shark out of the water? That's pretty bold. Alligator. I think you might be able to fight an alligator because if you trained a little bit, if you got the alligator up on the water and then you got his mouth closed, I don't think you could kill the alligator because, I like, what would you do? Because you'd have to hold his mouth closed with one arm because you could do that because the alligator mouth's not strong. And then you'd have to do, like, the Hulk Hogan elbow (laughs) on the alligator. Like, Cappy Gilmore, did he do that? You'd have to do the the elbow on the head of the alligator. I don't know how many times you would have to – how many times would you have to elbow – an alligator in the head for an average person to kill an alligator just just by elbowing it.
0: It'd be a lot plus you wouldn't have much leverage because you'd be so close to the alligator. It's not like you'd have like you're not coming off the top rope on the on the alligator. You're coming yeah. from like a foot with your elbow.
3: That's what I'm saying. You have to other arm, you have to hold the alligator mouth closed. So you're just you're just going like over and over. and first of all your arm would get so tired.
0: That's like your trying elbow. to stab somebody with a plastic fork. Like and, that's how long it would take
3: oh, I don't think you could ever kill somebody with a plastic fork. I don't
0: either, but I also don't think I could elbow an alligator to death while I was also holding its jaw shut. I think if my life
3: depended on it, I could elbow an alligator. I'm not sure how big an alligator, but I think eventually I could kill an alligator just by elbowing it in the head. I think that might be my answer on the largest animal that I could kill because I think you could hold the alligator's mouth closed, maybe like a five-foot alligator, and I think I could just keep elbowing it in the head. And then eventually I think I'd knock the alligator out. I'm assuming that you could knock an alligator out concuss him yeah but think and about then, your
0: fatigue though
3: yeah i'm tough
0: come on clay
3: nathan in new mexico what do you got
6: hey good morning guys yeah i was thinking about this uh first off i don't think
5: arian foster had any chance against a wolf i think a wolf has like one of the strongest bites out of all mother nature in the world uh if i know i'm not no jack hanner speak, but i think i remember that from school uh i'm thinking a
4: bobcat i could probably handle a
5: bobcat i'm gonna get
6: I'm well, hold on a sec.
3: Hold bad. on a sec. Stop. Stop for a minute, Nathan. And Don't drop him. Keep here. But a wolf and a bobcat aren't that much different. If you think that the bobcat, you're just convinced that the bobcat is bad, bite is not as bad, I would think that a bobcat and a wolf would be very similar. I don't know why you would distinguish between those two. I don't know. It being a cat. Yeah, know. that's... <laughs> hang up. Hang, <laughs> hang up. This has <laughs> a, a bet.
0: Well, Lion a, is cake, also a cat. Yeah. You're also
3: just changing your opinion of what's going to happen based on the name of the animal, which, to be honest, is animalist. That's like being a racist against animals because the bobcat is not a cat, right? Like you just said, a lion and a tiger are larger cats. Like if you sit and watch a lion or a tiger at a zoo, it looks a little bit like your cat, like the way it licks its head and like the way it moves its paws and everything else, but it's a lot different than your cat, right? You can't distinguish between a wolf and a bobcat just based on the fact that the, maybe the bobcat's just poorly named. If it were called a mini tiger, nobody would be like, oh, I think I could kill a mini tiger. Bobcat, bad name. Let's go. I want to go to this guy because he's he's Brian in New York. He's an experienced trapper. I feel like he's going to bring some much-needed experience and, and gravitas to this conversation. Brian, what you got? Oh, uh,
5: yeah. Um, a bobcat and a wolf. Number one, they are way different in size. Bobcats aren't very big. Um, but uh, if, you, if this guy, Arian Foster, thinks he's going to kill a wolf, tell him to go open up a can of tuna fish, throw it out in the backyard, and when he, when a stray cat shows up, grab a hold of that and see what happens. Animals are so strong compared to humans. It's amazing. You can't even imagine the strength that an animal would have. I bet you uh, the average person probably couldn't even kill a raccoon with their bare hands. And I know that from experience, happens to release stuff. That you get one of them sticks with the rope on the end. And you have to catch something that you—they shouldn't be in your trap. You have to release it. Holy crap! Or animal strong.
3: So you don't think the average person could even kill a raccoon?
5: Pretty much, no. That I mean, if you ever just think about when somebody's—you go to pet somebody's cat and the thing freaks out on you, scratching you. You couldn't even hang on to the average. Yeah, animals for their size are so strong compared to a human. It's amazing.
3: All right. We're going to open up your phone lines again. Thanks for the call. Brian, New York. He's an experienced trapper. 877-996-6369. We're trying to figure out what the largest. I should have asked Brian if he thinks I could elbow an alligator to death. I really think I could. Hulk Hogan elbowed that alligator to death once I had him like kind of caught. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and let's find out what's trending now. Eminem raps like he could kill a wolf, but I think a wolf would destroy him. I saw him once. He's tiny. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And here, this is an important PSA. One of you is going to get killed by a train, even though you heard that you shouldn't get killed by a train. If you think, and this is an actual ad, we're making money off this now, if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop, trains can't. And I just want to say, I just want to say this, if you listen to OutKick and you get killed by a train, first of all, we need to hear about it from your family. Secondly, no excuses, because I just told you, if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. Best ad of all time. Tons of responses rolling in on Twitter. I want to hit some of these before I go to your calls. 877-996-6369. Talking about whether or not Arian Foster could kill a wolf. Chris says, lots of farmers out there weighing in. I grew up on a farm. You're not giving animals enough credit for how much stronger they are pound for pound than humans. Yeah, but we're smarter. Got to outsmart the animal in order to kill it. Nick says Arian Foster would have the wolf in a headlock, then he would fumble it. Ooh, that one's tough, Arian Foster. Uh, There are lots of things that I want to read out there. Uh, A lot of shots at Arian Foster. There are men out there that could take down a wolf, just not men who are made of glass. Animals are mostly muscle. A 90-pound pit bull would be too much to handle, or a 180-pound monkey would just pull you apart. Well, that's true. I'm not saying I could beat a monkey so much to go to here uh as well let's go to Chris in Dallas Chris what's up
0: Chris actually dropped off let's go to Steve in Kentucky
3: Steve what well, Chris was going to say giraffe which was an incredible suggestion
0: yeah I, I, I it's probably good that he dropped off honestly. I think that's an
3: awful awful suggestion because first of all the giraffe I I think what I, I what he has to be thinking is from the giraffe perspective, is that you climb the giraffe and then just try to choke the giraffe because he has a big neck. Like, that's uh, MMA fight-wise, like, the giraffe has a big neck. Like, Merton Hanks, all these people with big necks would be in trouble. Uh, But I don't think you could – like, the giraffe's neck is insanely strong. I don't think you could choke a (laughs) giraffe out.
0: All right, this is Steve in Kentucky.
3: Steve in Kentucky, what do you think?
5: Well, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to go with a chicken, maybe a possum, or a rabbit. Uh, even a raccoon would be too tough. Raccoons are pretty tough animals.
3: So you, you, Steve, where do you live? Are you like a, a rural guy? Like, are you a hunter? So I've had a lot of people saying that the raccoon is like, they think a raccoon would beat a, a human.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I think it
3: would. Yeah. You think a raccoon they're mean... would eat... They're nasty. They're nasty. So you think the biggest animal that a human could kill with its bare hands is a chicken?
5: Oh, no, I'm thinking me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: On, on average. Thank, what do you think about, Steve, my idea that I could elbow uh, an alligator no, in the head no. enough times that it would die?
5: No. No way. No way. I,
3: I think so. I, I almost want to go to an alligator farm and just try to try this. I want the alligator's mouth to be taped, though, but I just want to see if I could knock an alligator out if I did enough elbow slams on its head. Because I think I could. I think I got a strong elbow. Thanks for the insane. call. I did 225 three times. I could definitely knock a alligator out by doing a bunch of elbows here's uh the other thing i will say this i'm a total wuss when it comes to animals i don't like animals i don't trust them i got bit by a german shepherd when i was six thing just took me on i was it was a at a friend's house we all had we had chicken pox we were out of school i went out to pet the dog casper it's awful bastard dog named casper dog just jumped up and bit me i had to get 50 stitches so i'm not i'm not out here like oh man's best friend stuff like that no i don't trust dogs i don't trust cats i don't have any pets I got three kids. I got enough to keep track of there, but here's the thing: when I lived in the Virgin Islands down in the Caribbean, I was talking about the guy who went swimming, and you know, you're fine swimming with a dolphin if you know it's a dolphin, but you might think it's an, a shark. I they have these thing called tree rats down in the Virgin Islands, and that is an animal that basically does what you would expect. It's a it's a rat that lives in a tree, and that is terrifying. Like I don't do rats. I lived in Washington D.C. And Washington, D.C. had one of the worst rat problems of any city in America. You walk around Washington, D.C. after dark, and there are just rats everywhere. Rats, I mean, just big, scary rats. I am anti-rat. They terrify me. So you'd be walking down the street, and the rats just take over that city. They are everywhere. So when I was in college, I was terrified of rats. I was always afraid that I was going to see a rat, like, one-on-one coming home from a bar. I don't want to go head-to-head with a rat at all. So we came home. This is a true story. We came home one day, and my wife was in front of me, and she walks in, and she screams, and she runs straight into our bedroom and shuts the door behind herself. And I come in after her, and I'm like, oh, my God, is somebody robbing us? What's the story here? I look over to my right, and there is a rat the size of a cat on the counter at the kitchen right there and you don't know how big a rat is until you see a rat the size of a cat and it was in our house and I'm like that rat has got to go so I go running over to my wife and I'm like beating on the door because the only thing to separate us from the rat and she's like I'm not coming out until that rat's gone I said well, what about me I'm out here in flip flops and shorts she said you got to get the rat out of the house you got to do whatever it takes to get the rat out. So I leave the door open for a while, trying to get the rat out, standing on the couch, standing on a chair. Would, and by the way, it wouldn't matter. That rat could just come over and knock that chair right out from underneath me. That's how big it was. Finally, I decide. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trap this rat. I'm going to get a box. We had moved down there, packing box. I'm going to put some food in it. And the rat's going to get in to eat the food. And then I'm going to grab the box and I'm going to run the box outside and shut the door. That's my plan. So I get the box. Get some peanut butter. The rat, by the way, has since moved and he's like hiding in the corner. The last thing I want to do is go after a cornered rat the size of a cat. Just get the box. It's my brilliant plan. My wife won't come out of the bedroom can't do anything only one door to close in the whole place she's in there peanut butter every now and then she's like is that rat still out there yeah the rat's still out here what do you think i am macgyver i Here i am macgyver bent over peanut butter got all this great food and then what do you say like hey rat rat here rat rat no you just put it there just go sit over by yourself I'll be damned if that rat doesn't come out. Go right into the box. But then I'm thinking to myself, what do I do? Like, if this rat attacks me, I'm going to be covered in – I mean, first of all, I'm not sure who wins, the rat or me. Second, I'm terrified. Like, I don't do snakes. I don't do rats. I don't do anything. Rats in the box. Unbelievably, that plan actually worked. I was at least smarter than the rat. But then the rat's in the box, and the box is, like, moving. With the rat inside. What in the world are you going to do with a huge rat? I mean, think about how big this rat is. It's not like I had a big, you know, cage. So I decide, like, psych myself up. Like I'm about to run on the field. Like I'm an MMA fighter. Door standing wide open. Grab the box. Sprint out. And just throw the box as far as I can. The rat weighs like 100 pounds thing goes flying in the air that rat comes out and you know what he does he comes after me and I got the door shut just in time but I still think I could kill an alligator 877-996-6369 you're listening to get the coverage on Fox Sports Radio I'm Clay Travis this is the best sports talk eh, anywhere live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios Enter the AutoZone, rev up your refund, instant win game, and sweepstakes for a chance to win $30,000 or other prizes. No purchase necessary. Ends four seventeen seventeen. must be 18-plus. Visit AutoZoneTaxTime.com, get in the zone, AutoZone. Your responses on Twitter are amazing. And, uh, and some guy just put a picture of a bobcat up. He kills bobcats for a living. That's why I love Twitter. You never know what you're going to get. There's somebody complaining. One person has complained. Do you ever talk about sports, asks Eddie Ramos? No. Not when we can talk about people fighting animals instead. Would you rather me have done the last hour talking about the Golden State Warriors playing the New York Knicks? Or would you rather me have talked about Arian Foster fighting a wolf? Ain't nobody turning off the phone when you talk about fighting, I mean, turning off the phone. Ain't nobody turning off the radio when you talk about animals fighting people. A lot of people out there be like, I don't really care about the Warriors versus the Knicks. I don't really care about that guy who ran a 4-2-2. Could Arian Foster kill a wolf? I'm not turning off the radio. Could Clay Travis elbow an alligator into submission? Nope. Answer is yes. Answer is yes. And then once I got him unconscious, I would pick him up by his tail and start hitting him into a tree. And then he would die. I'm strong. I did three reps on 225. That's how I know I can do it. Sam in Roanoke, what's up?
5: Yes,
6: sir. First-time caller, long-time listener. you got a great show. Go Vols. But there's no way in the world that a- Arian Foster could beat a wolf. I mean, if you've ever walked a 90-pound-plus dog and it sees something that it wants, it's going to get it. It's going to pull you down, and it's going to go at it, even if you're 100 pounds more than it. I mean, you got to think Larry Allen, one of the biggest, strongest players that ever play in the NFL he wouldn't stand a chance against a 200-pound black bear. I mean, it plain and simple, it, it'd catch him one time with a paw, and he'd sit there and bleed out.
3: Good stuff. Everybody wants to see me fight the the kangaroo, and I would get into a boxing ring with a kangaroo. Only thing is, I don't know that you could teach the kangaroo not to kick, but if the kangaroo could only use his arms, if he could only bo- <laughs> he could only box me, I would fight a kangaroo for Jerry. But you
0: couldn't knock him down. That's the thing. Even the video of the hunter rolling up and drilling the kangaroo, the kangaroo just straight eight balls him afterwards. Just stares him down like, really? Are you that dumb? That's yeah. my thing. I don't think you could knock it off its feet. You could hit it. But the point would be, I don't know that you could win the fight. So we, well, we'd have to go to judges. Yeah, it would definitely go to scorecards.
3: Scorecards, me versus a kangaroo. And I, you know what? I would want to stack the judging crew. I would like to think the judging crew would be in favor of me over the kangaroo. I think a lot of people would be biased in favor of the kangaroo. I think people would be racist against me and want the kangaroo to win. So I don't want to stack. I want some honest judges. JD in Florida, what's up?
6: Hey, not much. Uh, you know what I'd like to see? Uh, good topic, by the way. I want to see deer hunter mano a mano with the deer. Forget the shotgun. Forget a knife. I want to see. Oh. I want to see. I think that would be awesome, because yeah, I'll I, I tell you what, I see these guys, they mount that, that deer head on their wall like they've done something great, and in reality, what you've done is you put deer urine on your shoes, you've camoed up, and you basically snipered a deer at high power, or with a high power rifle, from long range. Uh, you want to impress me? Hang up in that branch, drop down on that thing, and choke that thing out with your legs. But sit there and <laughs> act like you've done something great,
3: stupid. That's a good point. I don't think you should be able to
0: put a deer on the wall unless you kill it man-to-man. I would love to see like somebody batman out of a tree on a deer <laughs> and try to choke it with its legs. That's fantastic. Alex in Cleveland, what's up?
6: Uh, I would like
5: to say that I could take on any slew of farm animals with good strategy and good composure.
3: Any part, like you think you could kill it. By the way, your radio's on in the background. Let's drop Alex. You think Alex thinks he could kill a horse? Like you think just good composure? Oh, you got good composure. I think strategy would matter, but I don't think you could kill a, a like my theory initially, I wrote this on the anonymous mailbag on OutKick. because Somebody asked me this question. Like what's the largest animal you could kill? I thought I could kill a cow, like a grown cow. Cause I thought I could choke it out. And then people are like, You're an idiot. A cow's throat is so strong that you even can, if you were riding on the back of the cow, like trying to choke it out, sleeper hold style, there's no way you could constrict a cow's ability to to breathe such that the cow might not even care that you're there.
0: Yeah, please try. Like I need to see a video of you like mounted on top of a cow trying a sleeper hold because the cow might bat an eyelash. Like or it might just look up at the person filming it. This is like, where my lack of all. farm
3: knowledge becomes becomes a, a hindrance. But I do think, again, I could kill an alligator. I, I really do think, not, not like a 12-foot alligator, but like a 5- a or 6-foot alligator, I think I could get him with a bunch of elbow drops to the head until he was dazed, and then I would go with the stomps, and then I would advance from the stomps to grabbing him by the tail beside a tree and just banging his head into a tree over and over again until he was dead.
0: <laughs> but not a rat.
3: <laughs> well, the rat was, I mean, look – that was a rough rat you don't know, a tree it wasn't a rat it was a tree rat it
0: was a picture villain
3: rat, a tree rat is a big difference between a rat and a tree rat I mean again names matter tree rat like lives in the tree it just dives out on people this was this tree rat was the size of a of a, of a raccoon it was the size of a large feline I mean this was I was I'm lucky to be alive to be honest with you I don't think Gary and Foster would survive a wolf but I survived the tree rat and uh that tree rat was terrifying it's a rat People walking around in D.C. know exactly what I mean. They take over the streets of D.C. I think the politicians rule D.C. That ain't true. It's the rats. They're everywhere. I'm Clay Travis. You've been listening to the best uh, show in the morning anywhere in the country here on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Oh, 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 O'Reilly!